Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Two decades on air. This is AM 1280, The Patriot, WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul, FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. Chain link fencing surrounding state capitals and police and National Guard troops on patrol in advance of possible violence leading up to the inauguration of Joe Biden. Details from correspondent Bernie Bennett. With the FBI warning of potential violence at all state capitals Sunday, the ornate halls of government and symbols of democracy looked more like heavily guarded U.S. embassies in war-torn countries. Signs of ramped-up security were in abundance from Atlanta to Sacramento throughout the week. SWAT officers stood guard at the Georgia State Capitol. A bomb-sniffing dog surveyed the Capitol in Jackson, Mississippi. State troopers stood atop the Ohio State House. Governors have declared states of emergency, closed capitals to the public, and called up troops ahead of President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration on Wednesday. Bernie Bennett reporting. Biden reportedly will deliver an appeal to national unity when he's sworn and also plans immediate moves to combat the pandemic. This is SRN News. Dr. Sebastian Gorka just wants you to know the truth. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. And that is what they will not show you on the mainstream legacy media. Why? Then they can't call it an insurrection. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 2 on AM 1280. The Patriot. Intelligent Radio. You are now tuned in to Intelligent Radio, AM 1280. The Patriot. My name is Brian, and for the weather today, it's going to be cloudy with a high of 26 degrees. 2021 marks our 20th year on air. We're celebrating all year long with a variety of on-air features, familiar voices, past and present, and maybe an event or two. But we wouldn't want to spoil the surprise. Keep in touch by finding us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Parlor. Thank you for 20 great years on air, and we can't wait for 20 more. Expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan. Here is the closer, Brad Carlson. Hey, Flavid the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with hour number two of the broadcast we like to call the closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org, and we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. If you'd like to weigh in via Twitter, feel free to do so. It's hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show. And if you'd like to follow along on Facebook, feel free to do so. Just go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network, and give us a follow and a like there. And I am doing a live video, a live broadcast, a live stream of the show on our Facebook page. Again, the Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page. Um, Again, go there. Feel free to comment, interact. Excuse me, as uh, you uh, find the video. And it's a great great way for me to engage with the listeners as well. I want to take a uh, little shift here in the show and uh, welcome our uh, first guest, well, our only guest to the uh, broadcast today, uh, Peter Wood. He is the president of the National Association of Scholars and recently released a book entitled 1620, A Critical Response to the 1619 Project. Uh, Many of you may be aware the 1619 Project was a long, extensive piece that was published in the New York Times Back in August of 2019, of course, the 400, uh, 400th anniversary of this incident that we're going to be talking about that took place in 1619. And the, the author of said piece uh, 
claims that that is how this country was founded on the uh, notion of slavery. Well, Peter Wood wrote a book uh, challenging that notion, and he joins us now to uh, talk a little bit more about that book. Uh, Peter Wood, welcome to the Northern Alliance Radio Network, sir. How are you? I'm good, and thank you for having me. Appreciate you joining the broadcast, sir. I guess we'll uh, get started right away. Uh, We alluded to the 1619 Project, again, which was published in the New York Times back in the summer of 2019. And the basic premise of this, and uh, you can feel free to uh, kind of share your motivation for uh, writing the book that you did. Obviously, given the title, we understand what your motivation is. But the premise of this piece, uh, the country was founded in 1619, when the first slave came to North America. And they kind of left it at that, Peter Wood, kind of left out a few details that would give a little more nuance to this. Why don't you kind of uh, share your perspective, Peter Wood? Well, uh, to start with the premise that uh, slavery began in the New World on that date, that's wrong in several ways. Slavery was already here. Native Americans practiced it with each other and mm-hmm. with Europeans when they could catch them. Uh, the Portuguese and the Spanish had been bringing African slaves to the New World about a hundred years earlier, and the slaves that were brought by an English pirate ship to Jamestown in August of 1619 were no longer slaves once they got off the ship because Jamestown did not recognize slavery and immediately turned the captives into indentured servants, uh, like many of the English who were already there. An indentured servant, unlike a slave, serves a certain number of years and is then set free, which is exactly what happened to the 20-some captives brought by the pirate ship. Uh, Some of them intermarried with the white population. Some of them became landowners, at least one of them very prosperously so. They had legal disputes uh, that we have from their Virginia court records that show that in uh, disputes with the white settlers. They sometimes prevailed, so they had full legal rights. So it just isn't a true story that that's where slavery began in America, and it's not even a true story that that's where slavery began in the English colonies in America. That lay in the future some 40 or 50 years off before uh, Virginia recognized slavery as a real thing, and people began to be enslaved in the sense that we think today. So how soon, uh, Peter Wood, after you uh, read this particular piece in the New York Times, did you uh, kind of start to draft your uh, rebuttal for uh, for this book that you put together? I can't, I can't imagine it was very long afterwards. Well, I get the New York Times delivered to my door, so I sure. read the 1619 Project the day that it came out, and I knew I had to do something. Um, I, as you said in your intro, I'm the head of the National Association of Scholars, I had just read 100 pages full of misinformation and mythology uh, presented as though it was fact and, worst of all, presented as though it was about to become the curriculum in the nation's schools. So a pushback was going to be needed. I convened my staff the next day at work, and uh, we decided on an approach that we called right away, 1620, after the Mayflower Compact, and we started contacting historians and people who knew better to see if we could interview them, get some uh, footage, get some statements that could be used. Uh, So that was in August of uh, 2019. It wasn't until January that my publisher approached me and said, why don't you turn this stuff into a book? And uh, that is what I then did. So the book is now in hand, and uh, it's a kind of synthesis of many different pieces of what's wrong with the 1619 Project and tries to meet them with, if you're going to go back to the very beginnings of America, you can get a lot more mileage by looking at what happened in Massachusetts in the fall of 1620 instead. So when the author uh, put together this piece in the New York Times, uh, from, from what I understand, there were several historians, and for those who think that this was you know, there. This was drawn political political battle lines. Whether it was uh, historians who happen to be politically left of center or historians uh, right of center, there were several historians left of center who even came out and disputed the notion of this particular piece. I, I, I don't know, Peter Wood. I, I mean, I may be oversimplifying this, but if you're going to write a piece documenting history, 
a history that some people may not have been aware of, wouldn't you think that you would want to cite some pretty prominent sources that have been well versed in our in our country's history and how the uh, how it began in the uh, colonies back in sixteen nineteen? Uh, of course, you would. The sixteen nineteen project cites no sources whatsoever. Uh, it just Amazing. is presented as though. These are the facts, and anybody who wants to can go check them. Well, people who wanted to were professional historians. Uh, More than a dozen very well-known professional historians stepped up. Uh, They are all far left of center. Uh, The uh, source in which they decided to present their views, this will tell you most of what you need to know, was called the World Socialist Weekly. And uh, the... uh, World Socialist newspaper uh, presented the rebuttals of these historians, most of them Americans, but some of them British, one from New Zealand, who just tore this New York Times document apart. Why? Well, they broadly were in sympathy with the uh, sense that uh, African-American history needs more attention and uh, the history of slavery in particular needs to be well understood by Americans. But they believe that it should be the truthful history told, not something that people made up on the back of an envelope. Um, So what the New York Times put forward is jaw-dropping in its inaccuracy. Uh, I think what gets most people when they hear it is that, according to Nicole Hannah-Jones, the lead author and editor of the 1619 Project, the American Revolution was fought by the Patriots, in order to preserve the institution of slavery against the possibility that the King of England might abolish it. Now, there is no scrap of evidence anywhere that supports that idea. Uh, We know pretty well why the American Revolution was fought. We have this handy document called the Declaration of Independence, which lays out about 30 reasons why uh, Americans should depart from British rule, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to preserve slavery just wasn't one of them. But there's lots of other material, too, that supports that. This is just a, a, a very strange claim for the nation's newspaper of record to put forward as a fact that should be taught in our nation's schools. Now, there were some alarming aspects uh, about this piece in the, in the aftermath of it, particularly, number one, that this piece received a Pulitzer Prize, even though, as you indicated, some very prominent and credible historians have come out and refuted many of the aspects of this particular piece. And secondly, uh, from what I understand, this is now being taught in not only public school systems, but in universities as well, despite the fact that prominent historians have come out and disputed much of what has gone into this. I mean, that's just very alarming that they're willing to just toss all of the objections aside and go forth with this as as if it were the gospel, Peter Wood. It's a very strange phenomenon. I don't think it's unrelated to the politics of the day where uh, claims that are uh, completely unfounded are presented as fact to the world, and those who are stating the facts get censored. So, uh, yes, uh, although many prominent historians were denouncing the 1619 Project for its inaccuracy. Many other historians who know perfectly well what the facts are deliberately decided to remain silent because they didn't want to get in the way of the great narrative of uh, sort of racial uh, aggression that is being posited here. So what what the 1619 Project really gives us is not just the fairy tale about the slaves in Jamestown, but the idea that America was founded from the beginning on what they call slaveocracy or white supremacy, and that everything that's ever happened in America of note is tied to uh, white supremacy and the need for whites to keep blacks down and thereby lie to them in many ways. So the American founding values of freedom and equality, for example, or reduced by this project to uh, lies that were just there to deceive people into compliance with the uh, the regime of white supremacy. So if you're ready to buy the idea that every aspect of America comes down to racial oppression, the 1619 Project is for you. Uh, it is, however, something that I think gives a grossly distorted account of our history 
and really seems to be aimed at promoting racial division in the country. Uh, unfortunately, it has been taken up by many of the nation's schools. More than the schools, it's been taken up by many history teachers who think that it's a kind of uh, uh, virtue to present this story because not enough has been taught in the past about slavery and other forms of oppression. I want to be clear that I think slavery should be taught. It's a very important aspect of our history. Oh, sure. But it's not all of our history, right. and getting it in context matters a lot. So understanding that we became the nation first in the world to abolish slavery at, by means of uh, a great civil war. I mean, well, I should correct that. Not the first to abolish slavery, but the first to have an abolition movement, sure. which began even before uh, we declared independence. So some of the northern states did indeed abolish it. It took another 100 years plus to get us to the civil war and the 14th Amendment, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments, which eradicated this institution. But we nonetheless are a nation that can take considerable pride in the progress we've made and not spend all our time uh, lamenting how horrible we were 400 years ago. Once again, we are joined by Peter Wood. He is president of the National Association of Scholars and is here talking about his book, uh, 1620, A Critical Response to the 1619 Project. And by the way, you can go to Amazon.com and uh, find it on there, uh, as well as many other bookstores, I would imagine. Uh, Peter Wood, we need to take a break. Any chance we can hold you for one more segment? Sure, be happy to. Fantastic. Uh, we'll be back with uh, one more segment with our guest, Peter Wood. And again, if you'd like uh, to weigh in with any comments, have a question, 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You could also weigh in via Twitter. Hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. You can also feel free to leave a comment on the live stream that I'm running over at our Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page. Back in mere moments on the Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson, and our guest, Peter Wood. Go nowhere. Cool voiceover. Zany sound effect. Uh, we were going to write a flashy promo about streaming us at Radio.com, but considering how easy it is to do, we'll keep it simple, too. Listen to The Patriot on the free Radio.com app. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three week quick start now discount it to only 1995 to see if it will work for you too i think it could give your body what it needs to heal itself go to relieffactor.com call 800-500-8384 relieffactor.com in 1901 a woman by the name of annie taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over niagara falls the first person to do so the reason for her crazy endeavor she was struggling to make ends meet and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance. Or help you with the cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Mill Park, Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1335. Rack animalist number 65233. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota. Are you in charge of cleaning and sanitization at your food production facility? American Pressure has the tools to help you. Custom high-pressure conveyor wash systems save time and water and help you automate cleaning. Give us a call today at 763-521-4442, and we'd be happy to come visit you at your location. Buy local, buy quality. Visit AmericanPressure.com. American Pressure. 
Join the Patriot Freedom Fan Club for prizes, contests, quizzes, and more. Plus, get exclusive access to pre-sale tickets to events. It's free to join, so visit am1280thepatriot.com today. Hey, welcome back. AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. It's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You know, also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Any comments or questions? Continuing our discussion with Peter Wood, promoting his new book, 1620, A Critical Response, to the 1619 Project. Uh, Peter Wood, you uh, addressed a couple of uh, fantastical claims that the 1619 Project made and uh, effectively debunked not only this program, but uh, more drawn out in your book, obviously, and that is one of them was preserving slavery was the real cause of the American Revolution. Another one was how uh, slavery uh, made this country rich, uh, not taking into account that there was a lot uh, a cost paid uh, via the Civil War, whether it's lives lost and obviously through our Treasury. But another one uh, that was kind of a uh, kind of an odd claim that the Declaration of Independence, which, of course, was signed in 1776, was formed. Uh, so the founding fathers could protect their slave holdings, uh, Peter Wood. Yeah, that's that's the idea. Since uh, many of the founding fathers did hold slaves, the thought was that they should uh, uh, try to preserve a uh, system of government where they could continue doing so. But of course, there was no threat by anybody else that the slaves were going to go away. The it was becoming independent of England that led to the emancipation of many of those slaves. And uh, so, again, this is just a, a fable that is being cooked up by Nicole Hannah-Jones and her fellow writers for the Times. And I guess uh, another claim that was also made is uh, because of all of this, because of this history, this stain on our history, which, you know, you acknowledge, Peter Wood, it's, it's, it, it, it's part of the American experience, but it is definitely not the American experience like the 1619 Project claims. But because they are willing to go with the premise that it is the American experience and therefore racism is an unchangeable part of America. And I think that's where you where you're seeing a lot of these narratives in our uh, political discourse today about how everything is rooted in racism. And they back it up using this particular piece and saying, well, racism is an unchangeable part of America. Even President Obama back in the uh, I think maybe when he was running his first campaign even went so far as to say it's part of our DNA, Peter Wood. I mean, if that's the case, then there's there doesn't seem to be getting away from it, which kind of seems to me was the motivation behind the 1619 Project. Well, I think you can point to several motives behind the project. Um, one of them is uh, quite blatantly political. The New York Times had been uh, a cheerleader for the Mueller investigation of uh, Trump's alleged ties with Vladimir Putin. Right. When the Mueller investigation came up completely empty, the Times held a summit and decided that it had to come up with another line of attack against Trump. Mm. They decided that in the summer of 2019, and the new line of attack was going to be Trump the racist. Uh, that just happened to be a, a perfect uh, way to frame what the 1619 project was going to offer. So for the year or more after the uh, 1619 project was published, the New York Times not only promoted the project itself for many millions of dollars, uh, uh, 60 second television ads and all that sort of thing, but it was also running this uh, white supremacy theme on virtually every page of the newspaper, sports, arts, entertainment, uh, just about everything but the weather. And even that could sometimes be massaged into place as part of uh, the white supremacy narrative and the need for resistance. Um, so it was political in that sense. Sure. Nicole Hannah-Jones herself came out uh, shortly after it was published and said that her real motive was to get racial reparations paid to descendants of African slaves in America. And she followed up that with another big piece in the New York Times six months later titled What is Owed, in which she put a price tag on what these reparations would be, but also informed us that paying the reparations wasn't going to make the grievance go away. These were just a sort of down payment that would have to be paid along the way. 
Uh, she too repeats the idea that racism is in the very DNA of the country. So it's not going away. We're just going to have to deal with a world in which racial grievances uh, are uh, are lodestar or constantly following the racial grievance narrative. And because of this uh, 1619 project, as you know, as we've alluded to, the last segment has been called into question and in some cases just flat out refuted by some uh, a lot of credible historians and, of course, yourself, Peter Wood, writing a book on the subject. Uh, because this is getting in our classrooms, because some history teachers are embracing this and this is getting in our universities, this is obviously going to uh, adversely impact what young people see uh, or what they think about our country and its history uh, you know, obviously, aside, Peter, what you writing a book, A Noble Cause, taking this on, writing uh, op-ed pieces, putting forth your book, and then historians coming out and trying to refute this. But nevertheless, it seems to be getting into our classrooms, into our colleges, like we've alluded to. I mean, how, how do you stop this runaway train when it seems like there's momentum and an appetite to take the 1619 Project as the gospel? Well, I think there are a couple things that can be done. One is that uh, the schools are controlled, at least in principle, by school boards, and people can go to their school boards and say, are you teaching this in our schools? I would hazard the guess that a good many members of school boards don't even know mm. because the Times went directly to the teachers and has been uh, presenting it to them as a free thing that they can just have by asking for it. So they don't need to go to their school boards, and in many cases don't. But the school boards, once awakened to what's being told, do have a responsibility to stop misinformation from being presented in the classes as fact. Uh, the Times has thoughtfully broken down their project by grade level, so kids as early as first grade get little pieces of this taught. Uh, if you're subjected to... 12 years of being told that America is founded on white supremacy, chances are you're going to believe it. It's never hard to teach teenagers uh, another layer of cynicism. So I, I think that uh, there's a kind of poisoning of the American mind taking place here. We may not see all the results of this until these kids grow up, but they're going to grow up knowing very little real American history and a great deal of just outright mythology not a mythology about you no know, George Washington throwing a silver dollar across the Potomac or uh, a mythology that uh, treats our past as nothing but glorious wonderfulness, but a mythology that treats us as rotten from the start and deserving of nothing but uh, uh, a kind of uh, delegitimation and hatred towards the fabric of the country. That's what's being taught. Once again, we are joined by Peter Wood uh, discussing uh, his book, uh, his uh, new uh, new book entitled uh, 1620, A Critical Response to the 1619 Project. And Peter, we have a couple of minutes remaining. I want to give you an opportunity. Uh, I, as I alluded to, you could get this book on Amazon. I'm assuming you could get this uh, book in some uh, uh, brick-and-mortar bookstores. I don't want to uh, throw out that assumption given the way uh, some books like this uh, are, are being shut out of the public discourse. But I mean, is that a correct assumption? It's in a lot of brick-and-mortar bookstores uh, as well? Um, Barnes & Noble now uh, has a local store policy, so they choose what they want. I've heard from many people that they have been able to find it in Barnes & Noble and some okay. other bookstores. The Barnes & Nobles near me in New York City don't have it. Um, so I think it may be where you are in the country. You can always get it through uh, through Amazon or through the publisher, uh, which is Encounter.com. Fantastic. And are there, uh, you know, before we let you go, are there any other uh, valuable resources? I mean, obviously this book is an incredible resource. People definitely should pick it up, check it out, get some more nuance on the discussion of that event in 1619. But is there any other resources that you would recommend people look into to get kind of reverse and, say, have a rebuttal to Anybody that cites the uh, 1619 Project as the gospel, Peter Wood? Um, well, I'd recommend going to something called uh, 1776 Unites, which is a group of black scholars who are taking umbrage at uh, this. Um, but there have been quite a few public interest groups that are now uh, getting uh, woke in a new way that uh, <laughs> something needs to be done here. And I think paying attention to that, making sure you're uh, uh, state boards of education are on top of this, and becoming yourself 
literate about the American past. You know, Americans don't generally steep themselves in history. But right. This is a time when we have to. Peter, we appreciate the time, sir. Uh, best of luck uh, on the uh, book. Fantastic read, and I look forward to uh, finishing it myself. Uh, again, best of luck going forward. Appreciate the time today and for the yeoman's work you've taken on and, and issuing this rebuttal. And uh, have yourself a great rest of the weekend. Appreciate the time. Thank you. M1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network, back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing. But are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers who are making buying decisions for the new year. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundmsp.com. Surroundmsp.com. Connecting you with new customers. Election fraud, radical abortion rights, open borders, riots in our streets, and regime changes in other nations. Meet George Soros, an atheist and one of the most dangerously influential people in America, pouring millions of dollars into the leftist agenda, instigating society's demoralization to control a free people and destroy the foundations of Christianity and our constitutional order. Watch the new film, Billionaire Radical. George Soros and the scheme to remake America. Online at SalemNow.com. See the movie that George Soros and the far left don't want you to see. Learn the truth and prepare to be shocked. Billionaire Radical. George Soros and the scheme to remake America. Online at SalemNow.com for just $9.99. Or buy the DVD for just $12.99. Visit SalemNow.com and use promo code MINNEAPOLIS to save 20%. The spread of COVID-19 is still unchecked across the nation, and you need to keep your family safe. Make a new habit and check your temperatures twice a day, once before dinner and before leaving home in the morning. You can't afford to take chances, so use the Exergen Temporal Scanner. Its accuracy is backed by more than 80 clinical studies, and it takes an accurate reading in seconds. It's the only home thermometer used and recommended by hospitals, doctors, and nurses. Quick and easy to use, you can count on Exergen to keep your family safe 24 hours a day. What does it mean to be a Christian woman in today's culture? How does your faith in Jesus Christ relate to the world around you? Sometimes to have faith can seem like an overwhelming task in today's busy and sometimes challenging landscape. That's why you need to visit iBelieve.com. iBelieve.com is a site designed for Christian women. iBelieve.com has blogs, videos, and even daily devotionals. Whether you're looking for advice, ideas for your church group, or just an uplifting message, visit iBelieve.com. That's iBelieve.com. Welcome back. AM twelve eight of the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. It's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning in. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show for any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, going to kind of get back to the uh, the waning days of the uh, Trump administration. Uh, there was an interesting <clears throat> story, a piece that I found at Politico this past week. Uh, Alyssa Farah, she was the White House communications director and resigned her post back in December. And she gave an in- extensive interview with uh, Politico talking about... Um, why she decided to finally speak out on uh, what had happened, of course, with the riots at the Capitol building. 
And she was at, and again, this is from the political piece, uh, Caitlin Fawcett uh, conducted with this, this interview with Alyssa Farah. Again, she was the uh, White House communications director and decided to resign her position uh, in December. So Alyssa Farah was asked, uh, can you give me a sense of what got you to that point where you felt like you needed to speak out Wednesday? Uh, uh, was it uh, was it just Wednesday or had it been building for a while? And Alyssa said, uh, so I made the decision back in December to step down because, well, first and foremost, going back to after Election Day, I was scheduled to go on TV and was prepared to deliver a message that I was proud of, which is it looked like we lost. It looks like we lost, but Republicans were able to turn out record Hispanic support, record African-American support. And we helped get a record number of women elected to the House of Representatives. But I was advised by the campaign to stand down. That wouldn't be the message. We, were go- we weren't going to be acknowledging the loss, and they were going to pursue-, pursue avenues to reconcile that. And I'm of the mind that it's foundational to our democracy that if you think there was fraud or irregularities, the president absolutely should pursue legal recourse to determine if there was. But we're at a point now where we've seen something like 60 cases and conservative judges ruling against them. And there just has not been compelling evidence of anything to show the election went any way different than it did. And I'm someone who worked on the Hill for half a decade prior to going into the administration. And I've always advocated for voter ID. I think we have to have a smart policy discussion about where to go from here to avoid the potential issues of fraud. But we need to come to grips with the fact the Republicans lost the election. So long answer short, I made the decision to step down in December because I saw where this was heading. And I wasn't comfortable being a part of sharing this message to the public that the election results might go a different way. I didn't see that to be where the facts lay. So to me, it was time. And then Wednesday was really a boiling point showing that misleading the public has consequences. Of course, she's referring to the uh, Capitol riots. And what happened was unacceptable. It was unpatriotic. It was un-American. And I certainly fault the protesters. Frankly, we should call them terrorists. But I fundamentally fault our elected leadership who allowed these people to to believe that their election was stolen from them. The president and certain advisors around him are directly responsible. So a pretty damning indictment. Again, that's Alyssa Farah, former White House communications director who stepped down from her post in December. And this is something I've been saying probably since Sunday after Election Day, my first show after the election, of course, was that the Republicans had some undeniable success on election night. They ate into the Democrat majority in the House. And the way it's the way it's it's breaking down, uh, the Democrats have 222 members. The Republicans have 211. And there are two seats that are still being litigated. Well, New York's 22nd district, which who knows when that's going to be litigated. I think the Republican had a slight lead in that race, but also a a Louisiana congressional district where the member, uh, the newly elected member to that district, his name escapes me. uh, He passed away due to COVID complications. And so they're going to have to have a new election. And apparently this gentleman's wife is going to be running in his stead. So the Republicans at the end of it could have had a net gain of about close to 13 to 15 seats when it was projected going into election night, Republicans were actually going to lose seats in the house yet. They gained 15 seats making a significant dent in the Democrats majority in the U S house. And they also did well. They, they were projected to lose three seats in the U S Senate on election night. And they, they were projected to lose Colorado Uh, Arizona and Maine. Well, they ended up losing only Colorado and Arizona. Maine, Susan Collins, despite being behind in every single poll, managed to hang on to that. And by all accounts, the Republicans should have won the two Senate seats in Georgia. I mean, the Republicans had the advantage in Georgia. There are just more Republicans there. And had there been normal runoff turnout January 5th, the Republicans would have won those two seats. We now know that didn't happen because Republicans didn't show up. They basically uh, committed political suicide by not showing up. Because they were convinced by Donald Trump, namely the Trump team, 
that there was rampant fraud in Georgia and why bother to show up because the vote was just going to the election was just going to be stolen from them anyways. They were allowed. They convinced themselves of that. And as a result, they they it wasn't stolen by the Democrats. The, the Georgia's not a blue state. The Republicans just committed suicide. And all of a sudden, all of the great talking points that could have been brought forth on the week after the election, how we had a record number of women elected in Republican circles in Congress. We made inroads with the African-American community, Hispanic communities. They could have said, you know what, we lost the presidency, but we have got a bright future ahead of us. Now we need to get our head in the game, focus for the next couple of months on winning these two Senate seats in Georgia because it looks like both are going to a runoff. Well, for sure, the Leffler seat was going to a runoff because there were like 21 candidates running for that. David Perdue, on election night, ended up getting 49.85% of the vote. Okay? Had he got 50% plus one, it wouldn't have gone to a runoff. But it did, and the Republicans should have won both of those seats. Instead, they lost both. So through all of this, trying to convince people that the election was stolen from them, coming up with fantastical claims— conspiracy theories, whatever else, all of the solid gains that Republicans made on election night, they completely have shot, they've completely shot themselves in the foot. And now, 2022, when there was undeniable momentum going into the 2022 midterms, and by the way, this is just historical. A president's, the opposite of the pres, sitting president's party always does poorly in the midterms. So now that you have a Democrat in the White House, Joe Biden, the Republicans stand, stood to make solid gains in the House, probably take over the majority of the House and maybe hang on to the Senate, because had they had a 52-48 majority in the Senate going into 2022, the Republicans would have had a chance to keep the Senate as well and keep all of Congress. And then Joe Biden, or by then it'll be Kamala Harris, mark my words, it'll be Kamala, President Kamala Harris by the 2022 midterms, agenda would have been neutered. Now, with all this nonsense that the president has been putting forth since Election Day, that throws that into complete chaos. So much for America first. Now the president's undeniable positives in his agenda, in his first, in in his administration, his first and only term, that's not going to be the focus anymore. The focus is the chaos that was created. And I get it. I get it. Events change things. Okay, we didn't. Donald Trump was going to coast to reelection in 2020 with the kind of economic numbers that he was having. No way was a Democrat going to oust him. Wasn't going to happen. And then the pandemic hit. And even with the pandemic, I still think the president had a good shot at reelection. But then that disaster of a first debate happened, and people are all of a sudden, boy, you know, I I don't know that I can vote for this guy, but you know what? If the Republicans keep the Senate, then uh, President Joe Biden would be neutered from day one, but we would restore some sort of normalcy to the White House where a president would just preside and be the president of everybody and find, okay, I'll vote, vote for Joe Biden. Again, I didn't think that, but enough people did, and you saw that bear out. Donald Trump didn't win key states that Republicans typically win, but the Republicans overall did well in Georgia. Republicans overall did pretty well in Arizona and Pennsylvania. They just didn't in Georgia. Or, excuse me, uh, the president just didn't do well, whereas Republicans in other offices did. And it was Trump fatigue. And the Trump team couldn't understand that. Donald Trump himself couldn't understand that. But that's what happened. And so I bring all that up to say they, another part of this political piece, the internal polling of Team Trump showed Basically, what bore out on election night, that Joe Biden would emerge victorious. He would get like 290 electoral votes for 248 for Donald Trump. The only state they erred was Georgia. Biden won that, so that boosted his margin of victory from from 290 total electoral votes to 306 electoral votes. And Trump obviously fell from 248 to 232. The Trump team's internal polling showed this. What basically happened on election night is what happened. And instead of running with the message that Alyssa Farrow was talking about, where she was planning on going out and saying, you know what, it looks like we lost the presidency, but the party overall 
We were able to turn out record Hispanic support. We were able to turn out record African-American support. And we helped get a record number of women elected to the House of Representatives. That is a fantastic message going forward. But it didn't happen that way. Instead, we have these this legal team that Donald Trump put forward that completely embarrassed themselves at every turn. And there was a hot air piece at hotair.com, I believe, by our friend uh, Ed Morrissey, Northern Alliance Radio Network alum, where Trump is saying, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to pay you people now, my legal team, because you screwed the pooch on this. So there's no one that is spared from being thrown under the bus by, by Donald Trump when when things go off the rails like this. And he's never able to look in the mirror. And now we have what we have, way too much uncertainty going forward for the Republican Party. And how Trump continues to escape any responsibility in the eyes of some uh, continues to floor me. Uh, we do have some calls on the line. Uh, Henry on line one, Mike on line two. Gentlemen, if there is any way you can hold during the break, I promise I will take your phone calls immediately when we come back. For the final segment of the broadcast, 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, the closer, again, coming back with one final segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. AM 1280, The Patriot. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280, The Patriot, with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. Hi, this is Ryan with My Three Quotes. As you may already know, my company is the only free service of its kind that provides you with detailed competitive quotes on window, siding, and roofing installs from multiple local contractors after just one short meeting with me. I really wanted to thank all the Patriot listeners who worked with me to improve their homes this year. Some of you have already received big-name window quotes and saved thousands of dollars through my three quotes. I cannot stress enough to call me if you had a window bid that nearly gave you a heart attack. With the best pricing in the Twin Cities and zero pressure, we'll get that heart rate back to normal. For roofing, I can use satellite imaging and measurements to get you three competing quotes, whether it's storm damage or just an upgrade. Don't wait. Winter is the time to have me check it out, making sure we secure a spring installation date. Windows and siding, however, are installed all winter long, typically saving my clients even more money. So set an appointment today at GetMyThreeQuotes.com. That's the number three, GetMyThreeQuotes.com. In 1930, the price of gas was 20 cents, a loaf of bread cost 9 cents, and standard heating and air conditioning was born. To ring in the new year, standard heating is offering $1,930 off a new high-efficiency furnace and air conditioner combination. Happy New Year to you! Standard Heating is a fourth-generation Minnesota family-owned company celebrating 91 years of business with special pricing on high-efficiency furnace combinations. Standard Heating offers 0% financing and payment options. Ask for details. In celebration of their 91st year in business, Standard Heating's furnace tune-up and safety check is only $91. With savings on a new furnace and AC combination from Standard Heating, you will feel comfy cozy all year long. The $1,930 off furnace air conditioning combo and tune-up specials end January 31st. Visit standardheating.com today, providing the comfort you deserve and saving you bread for 91 years. That's standardheating.com. Join Gene Sullivan each week on Where You Live, where he takes on... Uh, Gene, who do you take on anyway? Maniacal landlords, slippery renters, overbearing HOA boards, demanding homeowners. Oh, and the legislative lunacy brought on by local politicians wanting to fix everything for us. It's a common sense perspective on the news and stories that affect you the most right where you live. Join Gene Sullivan every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on AM 1280 The Patriot. Take your favorite Patriot hosts with you wherever you go by downloading our app. Listen to your favorite shows, see our social media posts, enter exclusive contests, and more. Just search for AM 1280 The Patriot in the App Store. Welcome back, AM 1280 The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. It's me, Brad Carlson, wrapping up the broadcast. Only have about, yeah, about seven, eight minutes remaining, so we want to get to our callers right away, as promised. Is Henry still on line one? Henry in St. Paul, you are on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Appreciate your patience, sir. Hi, Brad. Uh, thank you. Um, 
I wanted to uh, thank you also for having that great interview with Mr. Wood. I thought that was very uh, insightful. Thanks for doing that. Oh yeah, yeah. He said uh, that was that was very very insightful. Uh, I'm I'm going to read the book. He didn't give everything away, so I'm still going to want to read the book. <laughs> Absolutely. He didn't give away the surprise ending. No, no. <laughs> well, uh, you had a great segment uh, while I was on hold uh, just before the break, and you did cover some of the points that I wanted to make. But I was just going to uh, emphasize that, as I'm sure you know, impeachment is not. Uh, really a criminal or legal proceeding. Um, It's inherently a political proceeding. And um, therefore, I do think it's not at all improper for us to take into account uh, issues of morality and ethics. And uh, I do believe that while they may not uh, reach the uh, threshold of an actual crime being perpetrated, I do think the president has been uh, terribly, uh, uh, his behavior has been terribly immoral and unethical in a variety of ways, including some of what you mentioned, but uh, I'll just uh, uh, augment your case by pointing out that uh, I feel he put undue pressure on the legislative leaders in the state of Michigan. He had them to the White House for the express purpose of uh, forcing them to uh, somehow overturn the certified results in their state, which would have been highly improper. They said no, but I think uh, the president's actions there were inexcusable. Ditto for his uh, conduct with respect to the Republican governor uh, and the Secretary of State in Georgia. And that's even before the infamous phone call of Saturday, January 2nd, when he said, you know, I I need 11,780 votes. And uh, he effectively fired Christopher Krebs, the cybersecurity chief, and also William Barr, the attorney general, two of his better uh, nominees, I thought, um, for committing the great sin of contradicting his narrative. Right. Um, he put on, I, I think he put astonishingly undue, unconscionable pressure on Vice President Pence to violate yes. his oath of office. No question. And, and, and for God's sake, why do people, what was the predicate for the mob chanting, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence, if not for that? That had to be the predicate. What else did they have to complain about Mike Pence, who had been incredibly loyal to Donald Trump for four and a half years? Yeah, very much so. So, And then after the protests, uh, after the rebellion, he praised in his video, he praised the protesters as patriots. He said, we love you. You're very special. A few days after that, he said everybody had looked at his speech and said it was totally appropriate on January 6th. Obviously, that's not true. That's what he said. As you noted in the previous segment, he accepts no responsibility. He accepts no remorse. This is the law and order president. We had two police officers who died in that rebellion. Mm-hmm. Brad, you know, he can't say, gee, well, however it happened, if, you know, my words were misconstrued, but if, if it had even the slightest bit of a role in causing the death of two police officers and four other people, I, you know, I feel really badly about it. He can't even bring himself to say that. I think he has failed uh, on many different levels here, and I do think the impeachment was warranted because there wasn't going to be a, uh, a uh, censure. Um, I think it was warranted, and I think a conviction will also be warranted. We have to send a message that this is not right. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Henry. Appreciate the call. Um, the conviction is just so he never runs for office again because early polls, and again, it's very early, said he would be like the leading Republican contender if he ran in 2024. So I think they saw that and said, you know, we have to put it in place where he never runs again. And I think, like you said, Henry, correctly, that it's more it's a, a political uh, maneuver rather than a legal one, impeachment, that is. Uh, Mike, is uh, is Mike still on line two? Okay, Mike on line two. Mike is in Egan. Uh, Mike, go ahead. You're on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Got about a couple of minutes to go. Yeah, can you hear me, Brad? I can. Thank you. Yep, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just got a few things. I was going to try to make a few points, but um, I found the election, you know, very troubling. And I do think that the fact that they had this mail-in balloting and the, the I guess, the COVID situation to deal with worked to the Democrats' advantage. Sure. And I, and I sat and I watched, I don't know how many hearings and testimony from people, and I thought, wow, you know, something went on here. And I don't know what you do by profession when you use the uh, moniker, the closer. But I think there's a difference between having evidence and then being able to thread that needle and take that evidence and present it to a judge in a court. Sure. And maybe that was one of the downfalls that happened here in these cases. But I go to one of your uh, icons there at 1280 is Mr. Levin. 
And what he talked about is he said you could take all of the fraud allegations and swipe them aside. He talked about the Constitution and the state legislatures being the ones who can change the election law. And I found that the Constitution should be preeminent. And that's why I had such a problem with the case where it seemed as if, well, we're just ignoring the Constitution. Now, as to these other electors that came up, after these hearings, some of these state legislators reconsidered and thought, well, you know what, there is a mistake here. So when the law was changed like that, and that doesn't even get looked at, I think you have a huge problem out here because just from reading people's comments and talking with people, there's just no confidence. And I'll go just a little bit further if you can, uh, you know, grace me a little bit. We only have about 30 seconds, Mike. I apologize. we got one of those hard breaks. So if you can wrap it up in 30 seconds. I can wrap it up real quick. Is you need discovery. And unless there's a, a forensic audit, like you can go into a bank and you can look at all these ballots and assure people that this is legitimate and string this together with testimony, people are still going to have a problem with what went on. And aside from Trump, who's the superstar in the Republican Party that's going to save us going forward? I'll hang up and listen to your comments. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Good stuff. Uh, appreciate uh, both you gentlemen, Mike and Henry. Uh, fantastic comments. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, you know, that that's speculation abounds. I mean, Nikki Haley, former governor of uh, South Carolina and former U.N. ambassador in the Trump administration, she's put together a political action committee, and some of the things she's saying signals heavily that she wants to run. And I think she'd be a, a phenomenal candidate, first and foremost. I, I love me some Nikki Haley. I'd certainly love to see her run. Uh, I know Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, both uh, U.S. senators from uh, Texas and Missouri, respectively, had aspirations to run, and some speculate that's why they were uh, supporting questioning the election results in order to ingratiate themselves with Trump voters in case Trump didn't run in 2024. That has backfired spectacularly, and this shine is definitely off Holly and Cruz, so I I think those are non-starters going forward. Uh, Yeah, I I really have to think about it. I I need more than about 15 seconds I have remaining in the show, but uh, Nikki Haley... She would definitely be on my shortlist. Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida. Those two would definitely be on my shortlist as of right now. So appreciate it, Mike. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always for tuning in. AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Godspeed, my friends. Have yourselves a blessed week. Warning, warning, warning. Once you taste the Rack Shack's Patriot Burger, other burgers will never measure up. Hey, I'm Nick Anderson, General Manager of AM1280 The Patriot, and we've partnered with my friend Keith Hitner Sr. from the Rack Shack Barbecue to create a burger worthy of the Patriot name. It's a half-pound burger that's red, white, and blue through and through. American cheese on top, and the American flag proudly waves over the bun. The Patriot Burger comes with your choice of any of our delectable sides, like our famous hand-cut fries, all just for $12.80. Best burger in town as far as I'm concerned, and it's $12.80 anytime, any day. Try today at the Rack Shack Barbecue at the Cedar Cliff Center at Nichols and Cliff in Egan. Be careful. Once you try a Patriot Burger, you may never go back to a regular burger. That's the Rack Shack Barbecue at RackShackBarbecue.com. Get that Rack Shack attack, Rack Shack Barbecue, oh, yeah. Hi, this is Lee with the Kingdom Builders. Psalm 23.4 tells us, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We were talking briefly about caning the other day, a punishment that can quickly deter people from crimes. The Lord's staff, a tool of the shepherd, and the rod to correct behavior, both bring comfort to the psalmist. Kind of crazy. I sure do find it easy to appreciate when the Lord uses the staff to guide me, and as a consequence, the other sheep that walk with me. It's a little less easy to appreciate the use of the rod, even though I know it is absolutely required to drive folly from a child of God. Isn't it strange that these two very different tools bring us closer to the very same comforter? If you have any comments about this or other scripture, feel free to contact me at lee at thekingdombuilders.com. That's L-E-E at thekingdombuilders.com. 
I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Smith Akala. I'm Staff Sergeant I'm Alex Staff Keaton. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I am proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as reserve citizen airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I am proud to be a member and of... And I'm proud to serve in the United and States. And I am Air proud to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com AM 12...